I've taken some time out of my busy schedule, being fabulous and doing my hair, to prepare a speech for you. Well, a few remarks, really. Feminism is cancer. Thank you very much. Just a few weeks ago, the name Milo Yiannopoulos was probably unfamiliar to many of you. But since his speaking event was shut down by protesters last week, it's been on the tip of nearly everyone's tongue around DePaul. The idea with this show is not to editorialize or pass judgment on the events of last Tuesday and beyond, but to try to provide as clear and as comprehensive of a picture of the events as we can. First, let's get to know our primary character in this story. Milo Yiannopoulos is a journalist and conservative commentator who is the editor of Breitbart Tech. Here he is talking to Robert DeShazer and Natalie Shamu on their Radio DePaul show, The D-List, the day before his scheduled event. To my mind, feminism has, has performed its function. It's run its course, and it's time to congratulate ourselves, pat ourselves on the back, and shut up shop. Because what's happened to feminism, now that it's won all the battles that it wants to win, it has refused to, it's refused to recognize its own victory. And instead, it's become ever more hysterical about ever more trivial and imaginary nonsense. It's become a sort of bitter, man-hating, um, lesbianic horror show. Uh, basically, if you look at the makeup of gender studies departments, women's studies departments, you know, you can look down the list of professors. It's dyke, 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 divorcee, dyke. Um, you know, these are miserable man-haters who are spreading conspiracy theories, you know, hateful nonsense about men um, to, to a generation of vulnerable young girls. I mean, everybody goes into college slightly vulnerable. They haven't worked out their sexuality, their personality, whatever. And everybody thinks that they're, a, you know, a victim of something of some kind. And you've got these gender studies and women's studies departments who are telling women that everything that is wrong with their life is the fault of some mystical force called the patriarchy or some men that are around them. It's just not true. It's irresponsible. It's sociopathic and it's dangerous. And I think that particular brand of feminism, that third wave uh, feminism is toxic. And that's what I, that's the feminism I'm referring to when I say things like feminism is cancer. The college Republicans set up a GoFundMe page to solicit donations for Ianopolis to come to campus back in April. The visit was in the planning stages for months while logistics were worked out between Ianopolis and the college Republicans, the Office of Student Involvement, DePaul Facility Operations, and DePaul Public Safety. In the meantime, opposition to the event started to organize, and a petition to the university to cancel the event received almost 500 signatures. These efforts were ultimately unsuccessful, so instead a protest was organized to take place in the DePaul Quad. Because of growing opposition to Ianopolis's visit, OSI informed the college Republicans that extra security would need to be in place. Ultimately, Ianopolis's publication Breitbart agreed to foot the bill for 15 security guards at a cost of $840 that was required to proceed with the event. By the time 6 p.m. rolled around on May 24th, the auditorium space at the Student Center was filled to capacity with nearly 550 people to hear Ianopolis speak and another 100 students gathered in the quad to protest the event. Sophomore Lena Shawi was one of them. I got to the protest right at 5 o'clock. Um, 
and it was on the quad, in the center of the quad, right that morning where uh, the Mexico slur had been written. Um, and so several organizations were there. I think the DePaul socialists were there. People from the DePaul Dems were there. Uh, Strong DePaul, Move DePaul, BSU, um, a lot of the MGC fraternities uh, and sororities were there. Um, and unaffiliated students too who just wanted to come and participate and we had several people kind of speak like leaders of student organizations from uh, from those organizations and from SJP they came and they spoke about why they were not okay with having Milo on our campus um, and they kind of shared how they felt about Father H not really paying attention to how marginalized students felt on campus and race relations on campus in general. Uh, and it was very peaceful. None of I don't think any of the protests in my eyes was violent on behalf of the protesters. But everyone just kind of said their peace. And it was a very loving, open place where people felt comfortable sharing how they felt. Um, and they were getting support from the student body, which was really nice to see. Meanwhile, the event inside the student center was underway. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming out tonight. My name is Connor, and I'm a member of the DePaul College Republicans. All right, so first, I have to read a statement on behalf of the university. Here at DePaul, we embrace a diversity of perspectives and people and foster an environment where differences of opinion are engaged through civil discourse. We welcome the open exchange of ideas at this program, but we also have the expectation that such exchanges will be conducted appropriately. Please know that anyone who is disruptive at this event may be asked to leave. Finally, the views expressed here today are not necessarily the views of DePaul or the College Republicans. No video recording is permitted other than, those, other than by those who are authorized to do so. And after this event, we are expecting a protest, um, so please be respectful when you're leaving. <laughs> I'm going to read several quotes from people involved with this story as they were quoted by the DePaulia. I've got to give a shout out to the folks over at the DePaulia because they've done a great job reporting on this story. I'll post links to the articles I'm referencing in the description section if you'd like to check them out for yourself. Anyway, the first quote I'm going to read is from Tom Reitz, who organized the protest. He told the DePaulia, quote, I know there is going to be a lot of different opinions on how to react, and I tried to include as many as I could into the event I had planned, but obviously, people kind of took it upon themselves to do more." End quote. What he's referring to there is the decision to move up the planned protest march from the quad to the student center so that the protesters could be in front of the student center when Ianopolis took the stage. This decision becomes very important because roughly 20 minutes into the event, a few protesters, led by DePaul alum Ed Ward, rushed the stage and interrupted the event. This hysteria about microaggressions. Well, they're, mic they're called microaggressions because you can't even see them. Um, and the reason you can't see them is because they're not there. There's no nothing happened. I mean... I mean, hello, darling. S sir, please, sir, 
Sir, please. Sir, please. We'd like to ask you to please. Sir, please. Sir. Sir. Okay, every time you hear this foolishness, it's followed by the blood on somebody else's hands. Dump the Trump! 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 Reitz told the DePaulia, quote, The moment where my event ended and the disorganization began was when people entered the student center. End quote. Ward paced on stage in front of Ianopolis and John Minster, the college Republicans member who was interviewing Ianopolis, halting the event. Microaggressions don't exist. The dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh my God, you're an idiot. I got all day. I mean, I literally have all day. Get comfortable in your seats, folks. It's about to be a long night. The security guard stationed at the event chose not to respond. Director of Public Safety Bob Wachowski told the DePaulia, quote, Our goal was to preserve the peace. In other words, do all we could to prevent a melee, a riot, serious injuries, or worse. We were using our professional judgment in consultation with student affairs to determine our action, end quote. The action that public safety decided on was to call the Chicago police. so they should be here very soon. Build a wall! With that being said, anybody on the stage will be arrested. So... Not too long after, a chant emerged. CPD, 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 But when Chicago police got there, at the urgings of public safety, they too chose not to react. Well, we'll, we'll, use, we'll, use, the next, we'll use the next few minutes. Thanks for the, uh, we've, we've, had a, we've had our first threat of violence now, so that's great. I think this guy threatened to hit me, so if college wants to do anything about that, they can. But I don't think they will. In fact, in fact, what I, what I suspect is about to happen is they're going to have their way, which is an, an instance of just how um, your college authorities cave at every available opportunity to the worst kind of authoritarianism, worst kind of fascism. They're going to leave them there. Okay. Or alternatively, as I've just been informed, they have a level of spinelessness, like they'll let it carry on, but they'll let them sit here. Uh, you know, so we can't really have a conversation with one another. It's very difficult to communicate. I've got this guy pacing around who just threatened to hit me. Um, you know, I, 
You're not going to do anything about him? You're not going to get rid of this one? Hang on a second. You know what? We can be activists. I suggest we walk to the president's office and complain <laughs> now. All of us about... Let us, let us go and complain. Let us, let us go and express how you feel to the president of this university about your security's refusal to allow an event to proceed. Let's go. Let's go. Ianopoulos led his 550 supporters to the quad, bringing them face-to-face with protesters. When I was, I was around the back um, of the student center, because that's where we heard uh, Milo and the other attendees of the event were going to be coming out. And so we kind of waited out there to like say our piece and have our chant. And when they were coming out, they started screaming slurs at students. I saw DePaul men in fraternity letters scream racial slurs at student protesters. I saw grown men and women who were well into their 40s try and engage with students screaming about special snowflakes and safe spaces and triggered um, amongst uh, slurs as well, racial slurs and threats. And I think that's when it became violent. I did see at one point a protester did flip a Make America Great Again hat off of a Trump supporter um, in response to a racial slur. And then he became very aggressive and kind of began to tower over her. And I was worried that it was going to become violent at that moment because he kind of wound his fist up, but someone dragged him away. Eventually, Ianopoulos got into a car which drove him away from campus, and the crowds dispersed. The next day, Father Holtzneider issued a statement to the DePaul community through an email, saying, quote, Generally, I do not respond to speakers of Mr. Ianopoulos's ilk, as I believe they are more entertainers and self-serving provocateurs than the public intellectuals they purport to be. Their shtick is to shock and incite a strong emotional response they can use to discredit the moral high ground claimed by their opponents. This is unworthy of university discourse, but not unfamiliar across American higher education. There will always be speakers who exploit the differences within our human community to their own benefit, blissfully unconcerned with the damage they leave behind. Now that our speaker has moved on to UC Santa Barbara and UCLA, we at DePaul have some reflecting and sorting out to do. Student Affairs will be inviting the organizers of both the event and the protest, as well as any others who wish, to meet with them for this purpose. I've asked them to reflect on how future events should be staffed so they can proceed without interruption, how protests are to be more effectively assisted and enabled, and how the underlying differences around race, gender, and orientation that were made evident in yesterday's events can be explored in depth in the coming academic year. As this proceeds, I wish to make a few matters crystal clear. Yesterday's speaker was invited to speak at DePaul, and those who interrupted the speech were wrong to do so. Universities welcome speakers, give their ideas a respectful hearing, and then respond with additional speech countering the ideas. I was ashamed for DePaul University when I saw a student rip the microphone from the hands of the conference moderator and wave it in front of the face of our speaker. I was alarmed when I watched individual students on both sides intentionally provoking the others with inflammatory language. 
But I was proud when I saw students, many students, working to calm each other and at times even hold people back from making hasty decisions. Many of our students understood that protests only work when people conduct themselves honorably. I wish to thank all of them for self-monitoring the crowd's behavior. The experience could have been a far worse experience had they not done so. On behalf of DePaul University, I apologize to the DePaul College Republicans. They deserved an opportunity to hear their speaker uninterrupted and were denied it. End quote. This statement angered people on both sides of the conflict and several groups on campus, including the Women and Gender Studies Department and the Feminist Front, released statements rejecting the email. This is from the Win- Women and Gender Studies Department statement. Quote, in his email to the students and faculty, Reverend Holtzneider mentioned the Bill of Rights. However, it is not only the First Amendment that governs speech on campus, but also the university's own policies. College Republicans have this year engaged in a pattern of discriminatory speech, including multiple incidents where racialized rhetoric was chalked across campus. This must stop. We believe that this pattern violates the standards of involvement governing student organizations the first of which requires that student organizations uphold the Vincentian values of diversity, pluralism, socially responsible leadership, mission, and service. The Student Organization Handbook explicitly references the university policy on speech, which states, speech whose primary purpose is to wound is inconsistent with our Vincentian and Catholic values. University's own mission and policies in mind were calling for an immediate investigation into the conduct of college Republicans at yesterday's event and incidents prior, and a review of their charter as an official university organization. Until that review is complete, we demand that funding for college Republicans and their campus activities cease. End quote. This is from the College Republicans official statement released through their Facebook page. Quote, What happened tonight at our Milo Yiannopoulos event is a sad verdict on the American campus today. We wanted to put on a good event, bring some new perspectives to the modern issues of our day, and have some fun. Regrettably, militant protesters decided to hijack the event. Loud whistles, threats of violence, and straight-up suppression of speech. There was no discourse, no Q&A, just fascism. Additionally, DePaul's security response to the thuggery was utterly shameful. We spent thousands of dollars and countless hours to get the proper security and put this event on, but when security was actually needed, they did nothing. End quote. The last quote I'm going to read is from an editorial in the DePaulia, written by Ed Ward, the student who stormed the stage at the event. He says, quote, I believe the criticism of the protests captured the zeitgeist of the 21st century. I protest because it brings attention to issues that often go unnoticed. Contrary to popular beliefs, microaggressions create an atmosphere conducive for hate to prevail under the guise of free speech. To protest hate speech is to recognize that no one has the unencumbered rights to free speech. If that free speech is hateful, those who protest it are covered by the same constitution which allows free and hateful speech. End quote. Tensions continued to escalate in the few days after the event, and perhaps came to a head on that Thursday when a noose was discovered in the DePaul quad. So far, no culprit has been found.
now we circle back around to the same sort of problem we had at the beginning of the episode, which is, where do you end this story? It's difficult because events are still developing. Many students have reported online harassment related to their roles in the protest. I saw students receive sexual threats. Um, I got a tweet that said, my Twitter handle, and then is the type of bitch who files a false rape allegation before she even finishes swallowing. Uh, And then you crazy ass triggered feminazi, Milo owns you, you need a good dicking. Amongst, yeah, other just weird stuff. Welcome to the Milo Yiannopoulos Show on Podcast One, broadcasting live from Mordor, the Borg Cube, and Voldemort's Lair all at the same time. For the four listeners that have been, you know, in Iraq or having root canal surgery this week, I gave a talk at DePaul and the, I mean, there were 550 people in the audience. It's one of the bigger ones and probably in total inside and outside, probably 250 protesters. And it just degenerated into the most amazing spectacle. Now, one happy consequence of this, and I say happy, I really just, I mean, it just mean in the sense of, you know, cosmic justice has been on Facebook. Now I didn't know this, but you can give ratings to organizations and to places on Facebook. So if you've got like a, if you've got a verified page, it's sort of your social homepage. You know, it's your, it's the place people go first when they Google you. What has happened? Tell us what has happened. Well, this, this was, this kind of developed today as people, I mean, some of it's serious, some of it's kind of trolling, but people took over the DePaul University Facebook page and left literally thousands of reviews, basically condemning the administration for their decisions and their behavior at your event. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how many people have spoken up. Some of them are serious. Some of them are kind of, you know, satirical, but I mean, the one you wrote was, I thought hysterical. Very serious. Very serious. <laughs> I've got the numbers in front of me and the numbers are, there were sort of 500 or so pre-existing five-star reviews for DePaul University. DePaul University has about 65,000 followers on Facebook. I have about 105,000, but not that I'm into dick measuring, but 500 or so people had rated the university five stars, about 64 stars, about 23 stars, about 22 stars, and who knows how many one stars. But the one stars in the last 24 hours have, have grown somewhat, and they now total 4.6 thousand, four and a half thousand 4,600 one-star reviews for DePaul University to give an average of 1.4. So the ratings have created. Now, I'll give you an example of a review, and you can tell me who you think this is. Okay, go ahead. As a gay refugee from socialist Europe, I felt radically unsafe when college authorities allowed a bigoted and homophobic religious preacher to physically threaten me, despite my polite but admittedly slightly camp entreaties that I should not be subjected to threats of violence for the crime of expressing sexual interest in an ethnic minority man. <laughs> Speaking as a... <laughs> Spe- this happened to me! I felt very endangered. Spe- <laughs> Speaking as a prominent member of the global LGBTQQUFHEBXJSFFB dollar sign colon ampersand colon ampersand semicolon community and member of perhaps the most endangered and marginalized group in society, gay conservatives, I demand that the DePaul College authorities immediately rename its accommodation blocks after the likes of Ronald Reagan, Ayn Rand, and Donald Trump. I refuse to sit idly by as the mechanisms of hate speech undermine my right to make jokes about hideous, blubbery, train wrecked lesbian feminists and obnoxious and petulant. Black Lives Matter terrorists. Enough is enough, DePaul. No more safe spaces. It's time for shitlording 101 to take its rightful place in the liberal arts requirements <laughs> and for mischief, irreverence, and misbehavior to be restored to the curriculum. P.S. No one is trans. It's a brain disease. Um, and this is a, there's 398 likes. 
as of well, it's, it's Wednesday night, so it's going to have rapidly sped past that. Oh no, another two, four hundred likes. No, one of them was me. I'm, I'm reading it. it <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Yes, listeners, that was my review. In the days since the event, the security fees required of the college Republicans were refunded. In an email to the student body, Gene Jarsky, vice president of student affairs, announced increased security on campus expanded the university escort service to 24 hours a day, and set up information tables where students can ask questions and leave feedback. But in general, the university administration is still searching for a way to quell the tensions that have come to the forefront in recent weeks. So that's it. That's where we were going to end things just 24 hours ago. Obviously, that would have left a lot of unanswered questions. And while I was finishing up that cut, literally, as I was sort of exporting it, I got an email on my phone that the rest of the student body got as well, that Father Holtzneider announced that he would be holding a town hall meeting where students could come in and voice their complaints about the university's handling of that event and other events like it. Shelly Mesh and Marissa Nelson went to the event and got some perspectives from some students on the way out. In response to the discontent of the student body over the university's response to the aftermath of the Milo Yiannopoulos event and the events after, Father Holtschneider held a town hall meeting in which students were able to voice their concerns and questions to Father Holtschneider himself, thus opening the dialogue that some students, like Jessica Kalvig, who is a senior, felt needed to happen on DePaul's campus. I think for me... What I felt was most important was for there to be some kind of forum like what's happening today. So I can really only be grateful for that. At the town hall event held in Cordelieu Commons, Father Holtschneider listened intently for an hour and a half to students voice their complaints. He took notes as students asked for reform in academic requirements to include more diverse classes, while liberal and conservative students alike spoke about feeling unsafe on DePaul's campus, and while many called for his resignation. I spoke to freshman Sophie Modzaleski outside the event. She believes that the event started addressing all of the aggressions that students say they have faced since the event and protest. Like Father Holsteiner said, people are allowed to speak their heart. And people were allowed to talk about what has been happening because a lot of the a lot of the aftermath of Milo's speech um, has been swept under the rug. And I was with the event. People were allowed uh, with town hall today. People were allowed to um, finally say what they needed to say, which I think definitely needed to happen. Many students told Father Holtschneider that Milo Yiannopoulos should not have been allowed on campus. Students also said at the event that they want policies in place that would prevent provocative speakers from coming to campus if they promote hate speech. Jessica Kalvig says policies like this would hinder free speech and should not be allowed. 
but she also believes that speakers should expect the consequences of students who disagree with them. We shouldn't put too many restrictions on who can or cannot come speak on campus, but we should also maybe not be surprised if those speakers are met with something like a protest. And then we can have a discussion about why that was the response of the university or, you know, even a minority of the university. Students were also given the opportunity to offer suggestions to Father Holtschneider and the administration on how to handle events on campus in the future. When I spoke to freshman Ian Egeberg, he suggested that speakers with opposing views should be promoted on campus to keep a balance of opinion present at the university. I think it would be nice to have, um, like, so if they have, like, another person like Milo come in, I think it would be nice to have a person who's, like, on the opposite side of where he, what he kind of believes. Um, and have him, well, not on the same night, but, like, close, like, within, like, the same month, so it's still kind of fresh in your mind about, like, what... What happened, like what the other person had said, and then have some, like an opposing view come in. After the cheers, snaps, and applause died down at the end of the event, Father Holtschneider said a few words affirming that he and his administration would consider and use the feedback given by the students at the town hall. Sophie Modzaleski has hope that this will be the start of a positive change at DePaul. At town hall today, there are a lot of really great ideas. There are a lot of, and there are a lot of disappointments expressed and justly so expressed um so i think the university will take those in stride and try to move forward for radio depaul with marissa nelson i'm shelly mesh hey everybody that's our show this week i want to send a special thanks to my roommate ramsey cronin who composed the score that you heard under tonight's episode definitely made it sound a lot more professional um than it actually was (laughs) if you would have heard the uh scoreless version i'm sure you would agree with me and i want to thank sanjana karanth as well as shelly mesh and marissa nelson for contributing this week This is the final episode of the Radio DePaul podcast for the year, and it's also my final episode as host. Um, Sanjana Karanth, uh, Matt Barbusio, and I, the the three people who have really been um, putting this podcast together every week, we're all graduating in about a week. So we're moving on. This is we're going to have to leave this show behind. This is our final episode. And I was going to do sort of a um, goodbye sort of monologue, but Sanjana recorded one and I think hers sums it up better than I could. So I'm going to play that. Thank you for listening this week and every week. Uh, We really appreciate it. The show will be back in the fall with um, new voices and new perspectives. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Here's Sanjana. (sighs) Well, it's been one heck of a ride. The Radio DePaul podcast's first full year of being in motion. And man, was it a success. One and a half years ago, Derek and I sat down and created the basic foundations of what it takes to make a great podcast. And here, one and a half years later, we're graduating and leaving, in my opinion, what is one of the best things Radio DePaul has ever produced. We know the podcast is in good hands, and we can't wait to see what's in store for it next year. This podcast would be nothing without 
an amazing team, and an amazing radio family. From Radio DePaul, I'm Sanjana Karanth. <laughs>